Hello, hello. There it is. Hello. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. You guys here as well as those over at our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point and all the people all over the planet watching online. Glad that you are with us for our Wednesday night Bible study. So they say, that, they say the hip thing now is to get a little scruffy beard going. Yeah, I feel like a homeless person. So, so I gotta let it go. No, the itching's driving me crazy. I'm shaving this off when I get home. Plus, I look like an alcoholic. This is it's driving me crazy. <laughs> All right, we are in Second Peter, the first chapter. Uh, we read the first letter uh, to Peter, then we read Jude. Because they say that Jude and 2 Peter were written uh, pretty much at the same time uh, because they talk about the same things. In fact, some scholars uh, believe that, uh, you know, the same person must have written both letters. No, the same person didn't read both. Well, it's the same. They make the same references. Well, yeah, you know. If you get 10 pastors together and they're all going to put a message together about forgiveness, we would tend to refer to the same kind of scriptures. You know what I'm saying? Like these nimrods. I don't know what they think. So, well, do you make the same references? Well, there's only so many. It is what it is, right? In fact, Peter's talking about that right now. I'm going to back up just a little bit. We're going to read verse, pick up at verse 5, chapter 1, verse 5. Won't elaborate on it, just to read it, it's, it's good. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. What? Goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever doesn't have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they've been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. That is just amazing. You think, man, I want to do this right. I don't want to mess up. He says, if you do this stuff, you'll never stumble. Well, you know what that means? That means doing this stuff is really, really hard. Right? Makes it sound so easy. Add this to that, little of that, you know, a little tomato, a little bacon, you know, this sort of little thing. Yeah, this, this is really simple to do. It's not simple to do. It's hard to do. Nonetheless, we must do it. And it's a lot easier to talk about it than to do it. I can guarantee you. But these basic attributes, we should be constantly adding into our lives. And I talked about it last week. Look, you're either going forward in your faith or you're falling back. There is no standing still. Never, ever, ever. If you think, well, you know, I'm just going to sit back for a while and just going to, you know, relax and, you know, take some time off from church. There's no standing still. You either are moving forward or you are sliding back. And that is just the reality of it. All right. So let's pick it up at verse 12. So uh, he says, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Now, this is kind of the... Uh, a little bit of a rub, if you will, for some people. Uh, oftentimes, they don't like hearing some of the same things. You know, you go to church, you'll hear the pastor a lot of times saying the same things. I mean, because there's only so many things to say, you know. Uh, a lot of people, they, they like getting into the weeds on things like Bible prophecy or, you know, uh, types and, and shadows of the Old Testament tabernacle to what it's like. And I, some people love that. And if you like that, Good for you. Get a book. Read about it. You know, I don't do it. I don't know what the point is. What's the point? I'm still trying to add goodness to my faith and knowledge. And you know what I'm saying? So this is basic Christianity. And sometimes people feel, oh, yeah, I'm not getting fed. Well, look, at some point in your faith, you need to feed yourself. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. If you're coming to church and you want some really deep, heavy theological thing, you came to the wrong place. So, well, I like that stuff. Well, then read it. Study it. You know how many resources are available to people today? Anyone says they're not getting fed. It's just nonsense. Man, walk in any Christian bookstore. There's a gazillion books on who knows whatever. <laughs> Feed yourself. 
You can get all the weeds you want and all the details and what does the Hebrew mean and when the Greek was written, what was transpired against this and that and the other. You know, I'm just trying not to be a jerk. You know, how about we not? And those who know me said, amen. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> shut up, shut up, Corey, just shut up. All right, so anyway, you know, it, it is what it is, right? I mean, it's, you know, let's live based, I, I like to just talk about basic Christianity. We live this, we can succeed. In fact, he says, if you will be careful to focus on these basic things, you'll never stumble. There's a whole lot of people who know a whole lot of the Bible who stumble all the time. Boy, they got a lot of smarts in them. You know, so I know some of the smartest men that I've known personally wound up losing their ministry because they went and committed adultery or some other stupid thing. And hey, but for the grace of God, there goes me. I never look at that stuff and say, I'd never do it. I just say, thank God I haven't done it. You know, so I mean, anybody can fall and you, you think you wouldn't do something, you're deceiving yourself. Given the right circumstances, anybody is capable of anything. That's why we pray, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one because the evil one will try and set you up. Take heed. Remember, he says, the, the, the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Always looking for the weak link. Don't ever get so cocky. You think, oh, it never happened to me. Yeah, it would happen to you. Uh, so, you know, anyway, it is what it is. So, um, if you want to learn about all these kind of heavy things, it's fine. But uh, just here, we try to focus on basic Christianity. It's just, it's always been the focus of my ministry. It'll always be the focus of my ministry. Uh, you know, it's just like when you have a kid, you know. You, you got to feed the kids, right? I didn't feed my son anymore. He's 40 years old. He can feed his own stinking face. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you know, now, if his arms weren't working, I think I would assist as much as possible. But that's not his case. All right, at some point, you grow up. Take care of whatever needs that you think that you have. And don't sneer at things. Oh, I've heard this already. Because what does Peter say? I'm always going to remind you of these things. Well, that's kind of a drag. Peter's always talking about the same things. Over and over. Yeah. Why? Because most of us aren't living it to start with. It's like a story I heard about a pastor. He came new to the church. Everybody was excited. They got this new pastor. He gets in. He gets up and he preaches this amazing sermon. He got up, man. And afterwards, people were saying, man, that, that was amazing. That was great. We loved it. So excited to have you here. Come to church next Sunday. He gets up and he preaches the exact same sermon. I said, well, they encourage him after. Well, you know, it's, it's good, you know. Glad, glad to hear that. Third son, he preaches the exact same sermon. A month there, he's preached the exact same sermon four times. The deacons pulled him and said, what are you doing? Why do you keep preaching the same sermon? He said, I'm waiting for you to do it. <laughs> Once you do it, we'll move, up, move on to something else, right? So this is Peter. I'm always going to remind you something, even though you know, I already know it. Yeah, he's writing, even though you know it. That's right, buttercup. Even though you know it. You need to hear it again. It's easy to forget the basics. I don't know how many times I've been in a service, someone's talking about something as simple as forgiveness, and I'll go, oh, man, yeah. I need to do that. Now, I could have gotten up and preached the same sermon or a better sermon. But sometimes you just forget. You know, your mind has always been, you got a gazillion things to do. You got to live life, pay bills, deal with in-laws, you know, whatever the deal is. Life is life. But it's good to be reminded. So even though you're already firmly established in the truth, I'm going to keep hammering you about this stuff. I think it is right to refresh your memory. He's actually defending this. He's, he's, he's going in deeper or doubling down. I think it's only right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon be put it aside. In other words, he's going to die. As long as I'm in the tent of this body, I'm going to keep reminding you of this stuff because soon I am going to leave this place as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Well, that's kind of creepy. Do you want to know when you're going to go? I don't want to know. I said, I and I'm gone. That's what I want, you know. But uh, I guess the Lord told him, guess what, Peter? You're dying soon. I don't know. He's probably excited about to go to heaven. I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Well done, he wrote the letter and he's still reminding us of these things and he's been departed a long time. All right, uh, for we did not follow clearly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And then he tells the account, we read about it in the gospels where Jesus takes 
uh, Peter, I think it was James and John, three of them, they, they go up to this mountain and, uh, you know, all of a sudden they have this vision and they see Elijah and Moses right there with Jesus. I mean, I don't know how they knew they were Elijah and Moses, you know, name tags, I don't know. You know so, or, or, maybe, or maybe Jesus said, hey, Elijah, hey, Moses. You know, oh my goodness, it's Elijah and Moses. So he's turned, and they were so excited. And they said, man, we should build three, you know, spots for you guys, something real nice for you. And, and then a cloud comes, and out of the cloud, here's the voice of God. And said, this is my son, listen to him. And they looked up, and the other guys were gone, and Jesus, just Jesus was there. I mean, he's just putting him on the stat because, you know, the Jews so revered Moses and Elijah and these guys. Well, now... Jesus is standing with them, and now, boom, God says, this is my son. They look up. They're gone. Jesus is there. And just making the point that this is the son of God, all right? This is a big deal. So you read about it in the Gospels. Uh, but what's unique about Peter is he was there. He has the unique uh, viewpoint that most of the New Testament writers do not have. Luke, he didn't see any of this stuff, you know, uh, uh, Paul, when he was writing, he hadn't seen any of this stuff, you know. But Peter did. Uh, and, uh, and, and obviously John did too as well as in, uh, Matthew and stuff. But uh, a lot of these guys hadn't seen anything. So he says, we didn't make up these stories. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son I love. With him I am well pleased. He's talking about that account. He's saying, I'm not writing to you about the account. I was there. I heard it myself. That's pretty impressive, okay? He's an eyewitness of this stuff. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. I mean, how wild is that? I mean, you know, they didn't have PA systems or anything back then. You know, all of a sudden this voice. Wow. It must have been something to me. I think I would have passed out. Now, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. In other words, I am telling you what I've experienced. And then we have the prophetic message that in the Old Testament, the prophecy spoke of Jesus coming. And then he was fulfilling those things. He says, and you'll do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For... Prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So he says these are God's breathed utterances that uh, these men were giving. All right. But there were also, this is chapter 2. Again, remember, there were no chapters. Just, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Remember, that's what Jude wrote about. So apparently at this point in the, in the church history, they're really having a problem with this now. We haven't heard much about this. A little bit, Paul went off on some guys pretty hard. Uh, There's a lot of warnings that uh, false prophets would come. Jesus warned. You know, there's going to be people coming along claiming that they're the Christ and all this other kind of stuff. He says, watch out for this stuff. But now they are experiencing it. They're apparently having quite the wave a lot of these guys had snuck into the church uh, community um, and they were there for their own personal gain and not because they were devout Christians. So he said, uh, just as there were real prophets, there were false prophets, they and there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Now, there's false teachers even to this day, people who, as uh, I, I think it was Jew that talked about, uh, you know, these guys uh, turn grace into a license for sin. Oh, God loves you so much, you can do anything. Well, he loves you so much, but not so you can do anything, so you can stop doing destructive things and harmful things. He pulls us out of that stuff. Thank God. Left to our own devices, we can really jack stuff up, right? Thank God he saves us from that. Grace isn't so we can go out there and be pigs, like all, everybody else who doesn't have faith. So anyway, um, he says, many will follow their depraved conduct, which is sad, and there's people who are going to get sucked into this is what he's warning. They'll follow their depraved conduct, the conduct of these teachers, and will bring 
the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. And those is warning, they're going to get theirs. The same thing that Jude was warning, right? For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. Now, this is an interesting concept here uh, because um, they're not all in hell. They're not all in hell, but some of them, some really nasty ones are in hell right now waiting for judgment. Uh, there's a really nasty one named Lucifer who still has free reign. And, uh, of course, the question would be, why? Why does he have free reign? Uh, you know, real interesting. I mean, you can really get into the weeds and, and trying to understand this stuff. Uh, the reality is um, it's by enduring trials and temptations that our faith is purified. We were reading about that, you know, the last few weeks. Um, some of these things, it actually makes you stronger. It makes you better. Without that, uh, you know, it's a whole different ballgame. You would think it, it would be easier not to have that, but you got to have it. In fact, there's going to be a time uh, in the book of Revelations. We get to the book of Revelations, and there's so many debates about the book of Revelations. Okay, and I'm not going to get into them all. We're going to go ahead and read it. I'm going to tell you what different people have said about it. I might lean and say, I, my guess is, you know, this guy's probably more accurate. I, you know, so I'll tell you my own opinion, but it might be totally wrong. Nobody knows. How are you going to know? You know, I always tell people, I, when it comes to prophecy, I believe in the pan theory. It'll all pan out in the end, you know. So, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to give up on your faith because something didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen? Well, I don't think it happened that way. I mean, it's just absurd. The craziest people like to argue about the, some of the dumbest things. But in the book of Revelations, it talks about there is going to be this thousand-year reign of Christ. Going to come back with all of us who are believers. And we're going to come back and we're going to rule and reign with Christ. Okay? And we're literally coming back to this earth. You know, heaven is a ways away yet. Believe it or not. The, the new heavens and the new earth, all that stuff, that's off quite a ways yet. Jesus can come back tomorrow and it's still off a ways. Because once this thing happens and he comes back, the Bible says he's going to literally rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. And, and do you know why? Have you ever wondered why? Why bother? Why bother with that? Because what he's going to do is he's going to prove that life on this planet is great if you would just follow the commands and follow the instructions. So when he comes back, he says he's going to rule with a rod of iron. In other words, there's going to be some serious butt kicking on, going on. And maybe we'll be, you know, junior butt kickers. You know, I don't know what our job's going to be here, you know. You know, people will be given different cities and stuff. I'll probably be in charge of Nielsville or something. You know, some, some obscure spot on the planet. I get Nielsville, right? Come on. You know, so could be worse. I could get Minneapolis. But anyway, anyway, so uh, uh, football joke there. So, uh, uh, so he's going to come back and rule. And the Bible says for those thousand years, Satan is going to be locked up. This is when the lion is going to lay down with the lamb. He's going to, the animals aren't going to be eating each other. It's just fascinating. Uh, there's going to be no more wars. Everything's going to be, and for a thousand years, God is going to prove what, how this thing will be done, which is really fascinating. You know, I've, I've given you this little theory before. And, you know, I can't prove any of it, but it seems real logical to me. You know, what we have is heaven is going along great, right? A gazillion years. Who knows how long this is, but never ending. Then all of a sudden, Satan comes along, he falls in love with himself, says, man, I'm, I am seriously good looking. And apparently he was like a super babe. I mean, this guy's hot. He's so good looking. He's better than any other angels that he literally thinks, I can do this. I can run this thing. We don't need God. And he must, I, you know, it's one thing to understand his motivation. 
what I've never quite understood, what did he say to, a th to all those angels that a third of them rebelled with him? You ever think about that? What could he have possibly said? It's one thing for him to fool us. We don't know Jack. Life is hard. You're born, you're pooping your pants. You gotta learn to walk, you fall a million times, you become a teenager, you get zits all over the place. I mean, life is hard. Then you find it off on your own, and guess what? You got no money. And it bites. And you gotta work really, 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 really hard. And you work for a company and you pour your soul into it, and this is great. And finally, just when you think you got it, they'll lay you off. And that stinks. And you work hard, you put all your money into IRAs and retirement accounts, and the stock market crashes. And now you're working at Walmart. Greeting people. Hi. Hi, have a nice day. You know, just, man, it's gotta be rough. Life is hard. For Satan to come along and fool us, we don't see angels. We don't see anything. If you're seeing stuff, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> Find some medication for you. But I mean, you, we, don't, we don't see anything. So he came to come and fool us. Yeah, I wonder if sometimes if it's not even a challenge. You know what I'm saying? These demons and stuff, this is boring. These people are dumb as bricks. It's so easy to get people hating people. And I think they sit and they laugh. They hate us. They hate us. You know why they hate you so much? Because you look like God. The Bible says we're literally made in the image of God. We have God-like traits. If you were to see God, he looks, I mean, I'm, a lot better, I'm sure, than homeless man here. But you know, but you know, a face and eyes and ears. He hates when he looks at you. All of you are like little images of God, and he hates you because he hates him. Does everything he can to wreck. So anyway, fooling us. Like, come on, all we got to do is get depressed, and we're an easy target. But how do you convince an angel that everything sucks? It's heaven. My guess is a pretty nice place. Things are good. Nobody's got any bills. I mean, I don't know what they're doing up there, but I'm sure it's cool. How do you convince a third of them this isn't good enough? I can do better. I mean, just stunning. I have a theory. Here's my theory. I think that at some point, he convinces them that, he, number one, he could do it better. That number two, God doesn't really care about you. Because if there's one message that keeps always getting shoved in people's head, is let me show you another way to do this. And God doesn't really care about you. So anyway, they, he gets these angels all together and they try this rebellion. And I don't think it was much of a rebellion. You know, I think God just flicked them all out of heaven like a booger. I, th I think they were shocked. They were stunned. It's like, you know what I'm talking about? Just, just blown away. You know, it's like whenever you read about times of war, at the beginning of major wars, be it the Civil War or World War I in particular, people were ecstatic. This is awesome. We're going to war. Everybody's really excited about it. A few years later, man, and nobody's excited. The cost, the pain, the misery, you know, because they, they all think it's gonna be it's gonna be over quick. So quick. World War One was brutal. Those idiots. Man alive. They were convinced they would all be over quick and they got stuck on trenches and they could barely move the line noticeable from one side to the other. And casualties at a rate you cannot imagine. Thirty thousand men in a day would drop. I don't know, what was the high, 60,000 on one day? I mean, uh, in fact, the commanders would get angry if the casualty rates weren't high enough. These guys were nuts. Man, if, if they weren't right with God, they got a special place in hell, I think. I, who keeps sending men into battle with those kinds of rates? 
If you, ever, if you like history, read some book of history on World War I. It'll infuriate you. I don't know what these commanders were thinking. They would, because they had machine guns. And they couldn't get it. They were convinced that they, if we just overpower them, we're going to win. Well, they keep sending these guys, just, and they're just mowing on both sides, cutting them down. It was horrible. And to read the accounts and how these guys are, crying out in agonies of all night long, slowly bleeding out. It's not like when you get shot, you just fall over like in the movies. You know, bang. No, you go bang, ow! And you fall out and you're bleeding until you die. Unless they hit a vital artery or get blown up in a bomb, which I would prefer, to be honest with you. You People say, I'm afraid of dying in an atomic bomb. Really? To me, that sounds like the sweetest way to go. Put me at ground zero. you're gone. You know what I'm saying? Instantly, none of this ah, slowly dying stuff. I, I, I can't handle pain because I'm a girly man. All right. So, what was I talking about? I have no idea what I was talking about. Oh, so they all think it's going to be short. They all thought they were going to be short, right? And, and, and then it turns into just hell. Well, I'm sure these angels thought this is going to be a piece of cake. I'm sure they did. It's the delusion of war. And these guys go attacking God, and they got as a shock of their lives. Got kicked out, got humiliated. He's writing here about some of these guys have been thrown into chains of darkness. They've been in hell the whole time. They're just waiting for judgment. Some of these key players, you know, we don't know who the key players were. There were key angels that were involved in this whole conspiracy thing. It's bad. And some of them are still out. But why are they still out? Because stop and think about it. The greatest battle in the history of the universe just happened. And God kicks them out. Some of them are locked up, some aren't. And they're all waiting for it. They're all waiting for the final hammer. Do you remember, you read in the Gospels where Jesus would come out and the demons would immediately start crying out. Have you come here to to torment us before the time? Because they know what time's coming. They know judgment is, they don't know when, but they knew it wasn't then yet. Are you you here yet? Because they know it's coming. And they're all waiting. When is the hammer going to fall? And then God starts playing around. He comes to this little ball called earth, pushes the water back, brings life, creates little creatures. And then with his own hand, he makes, forms a man and breathes the breath of life. And it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? There's a big battle here. We're not done. It's not done. You realize this. We are like in the greatest halftime in history. I mean, we're just, what is he doing? And he makes this man and this woman. And God tells him one thing, just don't eat of that one tree. Well, that's, that didn't take long. Serving goes, <laughs> well, let's mess that up. Now, we're not sure how long it was before Adam and Eve went and ate of the garden, of the, of the tree, based on his offspring, I'd say about 45 minutes. I'm serious, I don't think it took long at all. Uh, in fact, you'll read, Adam had still not even been sexually involved with his wife yet. Would have been at the top of my hit parade, I'll tell you that. <laughs> like, holy cow, look at this. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she was hot. Right off the assembly line. You know what I'm talking about? This is first perfect woman. And before he even does that, they screw everything up. It it had to be the same day. It had to be the same day. These guys were a mess. Satan hated it. He's got these idiots and, you know, they mess up and God sets all this stuff into motion. And you say, well, why did God do that? Didn't he know that if he'd put a tree, they'd likely fall? Yeah. So is it God's fault? Nope. Well, why, why is he doing this? Because now, all of it, and remember, all that's been answered so far in this rebellion is who's stronger. Okay? It's like, I'm trying to find somebody my size, Bob. <laughs> of course, you guys can all beat me up. You know, if, 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 uh, if Bob's trying to have a rebellion, Bob would probably beat me up. 
younger than I am. I gotta find somebody really small, like a sixth grader. So, so if a sixth grader comes along and says, I'm taking over this church. I've had it with this pastor. He's a jerk, he's insensitive, he does everything wrong, and the sixth grader tries to attack me, and I pick him up and I throw him outside. Well, all that's been established is that I'm stronger than a sixth grader, which I'm, I'm still proud that, that I'm there. <laughs> I don't know if I can do a seventh grader or not. But anyway, but what about the charges? Everything that he said. Remember, serious charges had to have been brought to God, to the angels about God. Most likely, he doesn't know what he's doing, and he doesn't care. So they're all waiting. Now, all of heaven, all they've seen so far is that God is stronger. It's like coming to a mob boss, you know, and the mob boss whacks the other guy. Well, it just means he's a stronger mob boss. Doesn't mean that the boss is right, right? So here there's all these accusations against God. God kicks her butts out, and all of heaven is watching. What's going to happen now? And then he puts a bunch of people on this earth, you and me, and before all of heaven, they're getting a chance to see what happens when people follow Satan's plan and what happens when they follow God's plan. Do you know there will never, ever, ever again in the history of the universe ever be another rebellion based on those principles? Because every time, if anyone ever came up and said, you know, I don't think God knows what he's doing and that he doesn't care, all he's going to do is point to us. Look at these people. They were pretty jacked up. What does he do? He comes to earth himself. With the power of the universe, he could have crushed all those people. And he lets them nail him to a cross. A horrible death becomes the ultimate sacrifice for the sin of the world. If there's one thing they cannot never be said again about God, even at a hint, is that he doesn't care. I mean, he is answering every single I think that's what this is all about. I really do. I think this whole thing is about, because this is just halftime. Long halftime. But in terms of history, it's, you know, the universe is nothing, right? You know, it's 15 minutes. All of this we're experiencing, everything on this earth, we, all, of the, all of eternity is seeing played out the difference between God's plan and Satan's plan. It becomes pretty clear real fast, doesn't it? And the fact that he still cares. He's, he still cares so much that he's, as the Bible says, it feels like he, he's delayed his return. I mean, this, this could have been settled a week after Jesus raised from the dead. I mean, this has already been established, right? But he's waiting. Why? He was waiting for you, waiting for you. He never thought Corey would get him around, you know. <laughs> waiting for, you know, that's still God's love. He's still waiting for us. At some point, all the people he's waiting for, well, I don't know how long it takes, I don't know, who knows how much longer this goes, but at some point it stops. Then Jesus comes back and now for a thousand years is going to prove ultimately and finally who has the better plan. And the violence is going to stop the, the lions laying down with the lamb, all, this, all the craziness that's in nature stops. We talk, you know, the f battle of the fittest. It was never supposed to be like that. This is all the result of the poison of sin in the earth. And for a thousand years, peace. It's called the millennial reign of Christ. It's going to be amazing. Amazing. But the entire time, Satan is going to be locked up. And I don't know, people are going to have extraordinarily long lives. Some of the analogies of a, a child will be 100 years or whatever. I mean, it's, it's, you know, for 1,000 years, it's just everything changes on this planet dramatically. And do you know, we're going to read it when we get to Revelations. At the end, before everything is wrapped up, you know what God does? He lets Satan back out again. What? Because none of those people have been tested. And the book of Revelation actually says after a thousand years of literally seeing Jesus rule and reign, Satan will come and rally armies to his side 
and they're going to try and rebel against him. Insanity. That's how deep the poison of sin is. Once they're done, he lets Satan out. He's going to trick a whole bunch of people. They're going to try only this time. He just squishes them all like a bug. You know, this is just done. We're done with this. And then the great judgment day comes. And that's when all that stuff happens. And a new heaven, this, this whole earth, they talk about global warming. There's some serious global warming coming. It's called fire. This entire planet is going to go up in a tinderbox, flamed out. <laughs> Nothing but dust. And then a new heaven and a new earth. And the heaven that we talk about, that we're promised and we hear about, that's when we start to experience all of that. All fascinating stuff. So anyway, we talk about, you know, people say, well, no, the devil's in hell. No, he's not. Some of them are in hell. But he's still loose and he's still causing trouble and, he's, and we have to go through this. It's all part of this testing. It's all part of this, you know, that's, that's why Peter and these guys were saying, man, embrace. Embrace this stuff. It's good for you. James said, you know, count it pure joy when you're going through all kinds of troubling times. I gotta tell you, that's not my normal response. You know, but at some point we gotta pull it together, right? You've heard me say a thousand, not a thousand times, but a lot of times, you know. I always give myself a good 24 to 48 hours to freak out. You know, because it's some, you know, when stuff first hits you, don't freak out that you can't handle it well. As I've always told you, you know, it's okay that you're not okay. That's what we try to teach in the church here, right? Celebration Church is supposed to be the kind of place that you can come and say, how you doing? And, and you say, I'm, I'm horrible. And that's okay. And people pray for you and encourage you. They're not going to hammer you and condemn you. What's the matter with you, brother? You should have faith. You should be rebuking the devil in your life. You're not a man of the word. If you were in the word, you wouldn't be having these trials and tribulations. You'd be shocked how many Christians get shoved out of their churches because they're struggling. Shoved out. They just turn their back on them. It's horrible. I pray to God that never happens to anybody in our church. I don't care what you're going through. We're not going to turn our back on you and let you rot. That's a horrible response to people. Goodness gracious. We should be there for each other. So I'm going to say amen, all right? So, you know, it's okay. Sometimes you go through trials and tribulations. Sometimes, I, I talk about it Sunday. Sometimes you can't pray. I don't know if you've ever been there. Anybody ever been there where you just, it's like you just can't pray? Well, that's when you ask other people to pray for you. It's okay. It's okay if you're not okay. But at some point, you got to pull yourself out. You know, whatever. whether it's 24 hours, 40 hours, or three weeks. I mean, at some point, you want to get out or you'll never get out of it. That's why you have to stop. If you don't pull out of it, you'll just be a victim constantly. At some point, you've got to stop and realize what's going on and get in the right spiritual frame of mind and, and not resent it and start to realize, you know, this is all going to turn out for good. This will not last. This too shall pass, whatever trial and tribulation you're going through. You say, well, what if I'm sick and dying? This too shall pass. You know, the good news is most people only die once. Which if you think about it, these people that got raised from the dead, they had to die again. Well, that's gotta suck. Lazarus gets raised from the dead. He was sick as a dog. <laughs> Dies. He gets raised again. Woohoo! At some point, <laughs> he's gotta go through it again. But even that passes. All right. That was a lot of rambling over one verse. Sometimes he's just out of control. For God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. Uh, and and well, no, I won't do it. I won't open that can of worms. We'll move on. All right. Okay, so if he did not spare the ancient world, well, what I will say, I will say something. Don't be cocky about your faith. I know all people got all kinds of theories about it. Once you ask Jesus in your heart, you could never ever be lost. Yeah. If the angels, they believed in Jesus, when you put them in that category, he says, if he did not spare them after this rebellion and put them in hell, what makes you think you can do anything you want, you're going to be okay? Now, a lot of times people with these doctrines, they get into somatics. Well, 
if you really were born again, you wouldn't do that stuff. Because they just don't want to admit. They don't want to concede the argument because people get mad about the arguments. Nobody else ever concede. At the end of the day, you'll find that almost everybody's saying the same thing once you get past all the semantics. But don't be cocky. Don't think, oh, oh it won't matter. I'm, st I'm still a Christian. Living like hell and stuff like that. Yeah. Listen, at some point, you've got to have the fear of God in you. At some point, you've got to get this stuff right. Now, it's never our call to determine whether somebody is losing out or not. You don't know what God's doing in somebody's heart. So don't you ever judge anybody and say, oh, they're not going to make it. You don't know. I think when we first get to heaven, we are going to be shocked at who got in. <laughs> and shocked who did not. Right? Oh, man, he's a really good guy, man. And then find out he was never really a believer in the first You know, I'm just like, people do things for different reasons. I don't, you know, I don't know. But this should, you know, for he's warning. He said, if God didn't spare angels... If he didn't spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on his ungodly people but protected Noah, uh, a preacher of righteousness and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, burning them to ashes and made an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man lived among them day after day, was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and hold unrighteous for punishment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Now, this all sounds very much like Jude. He used these same examples, right? Uh, but this is what we do. We refer to these kinds of examples. Bold and arrogant, these people. Remember in Jude, talk about they despise authority. They would insult authority. They mock angels and stuff like that, even the devil. Jude said, no, no, no. You don't even mock the devil, all right? Bold and arrogant, they're not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. That's exactly what Jude said. Yet even though angels, they are stronger and more powerful, they don't heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they too will perish. They will be paid back with the harm, with harm, for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They're experts in greed and accursed brood. They've left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezer. Bezer who loved the wages of wickedness. Remember we talked about that as an analogy, same analogy that Jude gave. See, that's why these guys think the same guy wrote the same thing. No, I think they were all using the same examples in their pulpits, trying to warn people about this stuff. Anyway, he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Remember we talked about this. He's, he's being paid off to curse Israel, he gets stuck, he's trying to get somewhere, a stupid mule wouldn't move, he gets mad, he's yelling, screaming, and all of a sudden the mule starts talking, man, what are you hitting me for? And Balaam just starts arguing with the donkey. <laughs> you know, sometimes we get mad. You ever been so mad, you're an idiot? That would be me, you can't see the obvious. It's so mad, we get so mad, so tight in our thing, we can't hear or see anything but our anger, bad place to be. But I'm pretty sure if I get really mad, my cat starts talking to me. I'm, I think I'm going to stop. I'm just saying. You know, I'm not claiming to be better than Balaam. I'm just saying. The donkey, he starts arguing with the donkey, yelling at the donkey. <laughs> it's like, dude, you are really mad. <laughs> he was so mad. These people are springs without water and mists, mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. So about these people that are coming in and causing Christians to lose their faith. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. See, they come along and they promise, and it sounds so good. You know, there's, there's a... Quite frankly, a lot of millennials today are caught up in these weird doctrines of, you know, 
you can do anything. God just, just, Jesus loves everybody and there's extreme grace and grace covers everything. It all becomes a license, as Jude said, to sin. I'm free, man, I'm free. And he says, no, you're not free. You ever start going down a dark hole, I'm telling you, you'll find out it starts to control you. It starts to control you. Now, I'm hoping a lot of people have gone down this black hole some point, wake up and realize how miserable they are and start to get right with God and right in, in, in their thinking. There's people who often run off and they, they, they celebrate their freedom. Woo! I'm letting myself do whatever I want to do. Have you ever noticed, I mean, if you've been around very long, you notice their ends are always miserable. They end up being more miserable than they ever imagined. It's not freedom. None of that stuff is freedom. It sounds like freedom. It feels like freedom. You know, the Bible says there's pleasure in seeds. In, you know, there's a pleasure in sin for a season. There's, there's a short little period of time where, yeah, this is awesome. But man, it's a short season. It doesn't take long. The joy gets sucked out of it. The consequences of it start eating you alive. In so many ways. I mean, it's, it's just, it's stunning. Our, our, uh, Secular culture, you know, likes to make fun of Christianity because you, you Christians are repressed. Just a bunch of sexually repressed people, you know. You, you don't know how to go have fun. Really? We're not the ones dying of sexually transmitted diseases. Right? And some of these guys, I mean, they literally put their lives at risk to live insanely. So, a word of condom. Yeah, that's no guarantee. Good night. And they get mad. So our government spends billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars trying to find cures for diseases that would not exist if people would just zip it. <laughs> and if they were watching me on CBS right now, I'd be, a, I'd be the devil to these people. <laughs> oh, president, Really, how about we just stop doing this? You know, it's like if you drive a car 150 miles an hour, you're probably not going to make the curve. So instead of getting people to drive down, we need to improve those curves. <laughs> we need to raise money for curves. That's what we need to do. Because people are dying. Well, well yeah, how about, how about you slow down? You, you hateful bigot! No, it, it just seems kind of obvious to me that if you, if you go that fast, you're going to get hurt. No, we're going to spend billions getting curves that if you lose control, you just kind of bounce off the thing. Keep you in the lane. Rubber bumpers everywhere. And they call us idiots. And I'm not trying to make people feel bad because statistically speaking, there's people here with STDs. You know, it's that bad. It's that bad. The number of people, the percentage of Americans who have even just the smallest amount, some of them aren't that big a deal, but it's still, it's a little creepy and embarrassing. The number of people who have these things is stunning in our nation. The percent, I should have looked it up, but you, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe that number. I mean, it's, it's through the rough. That's so why you see all these ads for, on TV. When they, when, when they start advertising things on TV, a lot of people got it. They do, a lot of people. Does that mean you hate? Does God hate people who make mistakes? No. I don't hate you. God doesn't hate you. Your kids, well, your kids probably hate you. That's different. <laughs> but you know, it's, there's a price for some of these things. They promised freedom, all of us freedom, a sexual revolution. Made it all free. This is awesome. This is great. The 60s came along. I remember. I was there. Joe was there. He was 37 at the time, I think. Or 45. I can't remember how old he was. He's, he's well over 100 now. Man, we all got the promise. This is cool. Free love. Some of you geezers, you remember this. Don't raise your hand. All right, so 
free love, all this cool men. I was there. I was taking LSD. Which explains a lot. You know, living all this crazy, oh, this is great. We just throw off all the restraints. We can do anything we want. And the homes that have been destroyed. People's hearts who've been ripped out because someone they gave their heart to was unfaithful to them because they had to express their freedom in one way or another. The children who've been devastated. Some of you, a lot of you listening right now, I know you've been through this stuff. It's not so freeing, is it? It's not so freeing. Not to mention people who've literally died, countless hordes of them just from diseases that would never exist, that people would just stop it. All the freedom, oh yeah. And, and to this day, they still argue for the freedom. We should be able to do whatever we want, whenever we want. No one should ever be able to, no one should ever be able to tell anyone not to do something. That's the country we live in today. That's the culture. We need to be free. But it's not freedom. It's not freedom. It's poison and it's destructive. You know, psychologists for years have said that the worst thing you can do is hold, hold anything back, right? Don't. Do, you, do you know there are marriage counselors when couples are struggling, they advise them to go have affairs to help improve their marriages. These people are out of their minds. They are literally insane. It's like, you know, you, you, you get mad, you need to let it out. Worst thing, to hold your emotions in. A lot of people bought into that stupidity. When the Bible says only a fool gives free reign to his emotions. Your tongue I got to say what I got. I just got to be honest with my feelings. Couples do this all the time. Not good. Not good. You know what James said? He says, your tongue is full of a world of evil. It said it can literally light the course of your life on fire. And, and I quote, with the fire of hell. You want to take a course you're on? and light it on with the fire of hell so it's totally destroyed, never becomes what Just keep saying every little thing that comes out of your mouth. And I know this, and I can't keep my mouth shut. But at some point, you gotta stop. You just gotta stop. You gotta realize this. Right? All this freedom. Now, the new studies are coming out. Psychologists are noticing that the healthiest people are not the ones who let everything out. What a shock. I just gotta tell you how I feel. I gotta, I'm angry. I gotta punch somebody in the face. It's bad to hold it in. If you feel it, you gotta do it. Is not smart. This freedom that they offer is not freedom. They're chains, chains of destruction. They promise themselves freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then are again entangled in it and are overcome, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Which again, some of these verses, how do you explain if you think there's no way that'll ever happen once you ask Jesus in your heart? You know, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it because I know not everybody agrees with it and we don't make a big deal of it. But look what he just said. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord Jesus, well, they never knew their Lord Jesus. He says they did. Knowing our Lord Jesus and are again entangled in and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them if not to known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turned their back on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. These are all warnings to us, people of faith. Don't just be cocky and think, oh, no, I'm always going to be okay. On the other hand, and I want to stress this very deeply, it's never your call to determine who's gotten to that point. So some people are acting really badly. Okay, but you don't know that they've gotten to the point where they've totally turned their back on God. 
you know, you want to pray for them and restore them. But I cannot join the chorus of those who say they're going to be okay no matter what. If they're okay no matter what, then a lot of these verses make no sense at all. What about those verses that God will always, yeah, he'll always, if you stay faithful to him, he'll always, nobody can pluck you out of his hand. But, you know, but don't ever, it's never your call, it's never my call. You can't say, you know, well, that guy died and he wasn't doing good with Jesus and so now he's in hell. That's never your call. It's never anybody's call to decide who's going to heaven and hell. So I'm going to say amen. Amen. But this is for our own personal, I'm just saying, for your own personal thought, take this stuff seriously. You can't just live in darkness. Even though you're struggling as a Christian and think everything's going to be okay, you don't know that. I don't know what, when, at what point does this happen. I don't know. It's, it's the story I told last week of a coachman. That was the name. I couldn't remember the guy who drives the coach. Somebody had to send it to me online. Coachman, you nitwit. Oh, yeah, coachman. You don't want the coachman who says, I can ride as close to the edge as I possibly can and not go over. That's not the good. Were you here? I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you the story real quick for those because some of you weren't here. It's a short story. I only got four minutes later. And I'm not going to get a new line of thought because I can't shut up. But it's a story of this guy who was a king or whatever, and he needed a new coachman. So he's interviewing people. And the question was, how close can you ride to the edge of the cliff without going over? First guy said, man, I can get within four wagon wheels length. Ooh. Next guy comes along, man, I can do it within one wagon wheels length. Well, one guy, he was so, I am so good. I can do it within a half a wagon wheels length and not go over. Next guy comes in, he asks him, how close can you get? He says, man, I try and stay far away from the edge as I possibly can. He got the job, <laughs> all right? You know, don't, you know, don't think, don't push the grace of God. Don't push your theology, whatever you think about some of these things. Just take it seriously. Eternity's a long time. If I'm wrong, it doesn't matter. Quite frankly, it doesn't matter. If I'm right and they're wrong, there's going to be a lot of people in for a real shocker. Don't push it. Fear God. Do the best you can. That's not to say because when you struggle that God just throws you to the curve. That's not what I'm saying. There's people who believe that. That's the other extreme. The minute you're doing something stupid or you lose your salvation, you're going to go to hell. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I believe there is a point where you can cross the line and go too far. It's debated whether or not it's not possible. To me, it seems rather simple. And you got the people on both sides and they all yell at each other. And again, at the end of the day, I've been in these arguments. At the end of the day, when you get past the semantics, they're pretty much all saying the same thing. Because they're about to say, well, if you were really born again, you wouldn't do that stuff. And they're, okay, you'd never cross. Okay. <laughs> but, anyway, but never. I mean, always take yourself seriously. Stay away from the edge as far as you can. But if you start slipping off the edge, you know, God doesn't give up on you. Hang in there. But is there a point? Yeah. You, sh you should be careful. And you see someone at a point, you should be concerned for them. Pray for them. Ask that they don't get to that point where it says it would have been better for them never known Jesus in the first place. That's a major threat. All right? I don't know what it takes to get there. I don't want to know. I don't want to mess with it. I want to pray for people and encourage people. I know people right now who are in a really bad place. I pray for them. They're, they're Christians. They were claiming Christ, and they seem like they've really fallen far away, and I, I just keep praying, God, help them get, get this straight. But just, you know, don't, don't be cocky with grace where you think, ah, I can do anything. It doesn't matter. If, if we can do every, anything and it doesn't matter, this does not make sense. It just doesn't. And those who are into this kind of thinking, they don't believe this. They don't. Because I'll ask them, well, what about the Bible? Says, well, the Bible, they go. How do you know that's, that's even true? I had a pastor tell me that. A pastor tell me that. I said, well, dude, what you're saying is unbiblical. Well, bib biblical. <laughs> how, do you, how do you know? It's, maybe it was mistranslated. Oh, yeah. I'm sure thou shalt not kill really was shoot anybody in the head you want. <laughs> I guess we got that wrong. No. But if you believe this and respect this at any level, you have to take this seriously. And uh, by God's grace, everybody struggles. Don't condemn people. But for the grace of God, we'll all get there. But there should be a little 
tinge of, and you take this seriously, I want to make sure I get this right. And I have six seconds left. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. We do thank you for your grace. We do thank you. You don't just give up on us, even at our worst. But Lord, there's some real indications here that this stuff can get way out of hand for some people. We don't want to be those people. Anyone who's listening to me right now who's bought into this lie of, oh, grace comes out, I can do anything I want, they just use it as a license to, for their so-called freedom, don't even realize what slaves they are and how this stuff is destroying their lives. All this stuff has a horrible cost at the end. Everything the world promises is freedom. It's just, it's just a lie. Help us to be wise. Help us to encourage people with respect uh, to follow the right path. And keep us, Lord. Keep us from falling. Keep me from falling. Help us to get this stuff right and to walk in such a way that our lives will be a blessing to you. And you can bless us that we would be servants of the living God and not servants to sinfulness and selfishness. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. See you next Wednesday.